And at this time, we're going to move into uh, reading our passage for today. It comes from Matthew chapter 6. Well, we've been in Matthew uh, for last month or so. Uh, it's, it's a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Jesus' most famous, famous sermon. Uh, so Matthew 6, 19 to 34, I'm going to be reading from the ESV. So uh, if you have your physical Bible, and I really hope that you do have it in front of you, uh, please join with me as we read. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then the light in you is darkness. How great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day uh, is its own trouble. Uh, before I get into uh, our passage and our word for today, will you join me as I pray? Father God, uh, we've gathered to, uh, this morning, today, as your people. And we want to be changed. We want to be impacted. We want to be moved by your word. So Lord, uh, we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd speak to us. That your word would convict our hearts. That your word would pierce our hearts. It would cut to the core that we would understand uh, who you are, that we would understand the gravity and the glory of your kingdom, and that we would live lives that reflect that understanding. So uh, I just pray that you'd help us today, uh, even through Zoom, uh, even though it's not ideal and it's not always easy to uh, you know, stay focused. It's not easy to 
know, concentrate. And I pray that in your grace, uh, you would help us today. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. So um, if you went to primary school at all in Sydney, um, and I know everyone here hasn't uh, had that experience, but there's a really common trip, like a common school trip that you do in primary school. And it's a trip where your teachers will take you to a place called Bathurst. It's about 200 kilometers outside of Sydney. And you go there to pan for gold. I'm sure uh, some of you have done it before. And we do it, I think, to commemorate uh, a gold rush that we had in Australia nearly 200 years ago. So back in 1851, started off with one guy, uh, he found five specks of gold in a creek. And next minute, uh, over half of Sydney's population moves to the gold fields. Then the rest of the world, uh, Europeans follow, and the Chinese come, uh, and the gold fields are packed, uh, full of people. And apparently it was a very, very hard life. It was very tough. People literally died out there because they had terrible nutrition. Uh, very unhygienic they were getting diseases and the reality was that hardly anyone actually found gold but people rushed there anyway people just flocked there anyway because they all had this small glimmer of hope i might strike big like i might find actual gold and you know for me like even as a primary school kid uh visiting bathurst in the 21st century, like I, I knew it, my schoolmates all knew it. We, we knew we wouldn't find any real gold there, right? But you still had this kind of tiny flutter in your heart. Well, what if I did? Maybe I might. This tiny speck of hope for a life changing treasure. See, like today, we might say to ourselves, like, I, I'd never do something as dumb as foolish as dropping everything moving to the gold fields in search of some unlikely life-changing treasure we say we'd never do something like that but the reality is that we do do that we do that we just chase a different treasure right we chase we chase the treasure of uh, the corporate ladder uh, or the ideal family we chase the treasure of getting really fit and ripped or you know, building up your assets so you can have an early retirement. There's all kinds of treasures that we're panning for and sifting for, you know, as you do when you pan for cold in life. And we'll go through pain, we'll go through disease, we'll go through hardship in order to try find it. Jesus continues in his famous Sermon on the Mount in today's passage. And last week, uh, as we looked at the start of chapter 6, Jesus said, citizens of the kingdom of God actually long for a secret life of Christianity, right? A life that only seeks the affirmation of one person, God. And his smile, his pleasure, it changes everything. It transforms us. And today Jesus says, Citizens of the kingdom, yes, they long for a secret life of Christianity, but that is evidence, that is visible, that's displayed in a public life that prioritizes God's kingdom, that seeks God's kingdom first. 
right? It's a kingdom first life that's visible. And in order for us to evidence that life, Jesus, he actually poses two very confronting questions for us today. Two very simple questions, right? And they are, number one, what is your treasure? And number two, who do you trust, right? What is your treasure and who do you trust? So number one, what is your treasure? And that's such an important question for us. Uh, what is the treasure that you're looking for in life? Because your treasure actually shapes you a lot more than you think. And Jesus, the way he unpacks it for us, is he gives us three parables. He gives us three metaphors to highlight the kinds of treasures that we shouldn't look for, that we shouldn't pursue. The first one is a treasure that perishes. So if you read verses 19 to 21 with me, Jesus says, do not lay up for yourself treasure, uh, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So there's a treasure here that he's talking about that we seek but won't actually last and will eventually decay. Right? So... I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Cars, they get old. Clothes, they fray, they go out of style. Food becomes poo. And uh, maybe the ladies of our church are thinking, like, hold on, David, Uh, diamonds are forever though. Uh, Well, Jesus has that covered as well. Diamonds can be stolen. It's not just that treasure, this kind of treasure, Uh, has an expiry date, even if it's a really long expiry date, these things can still be taken away. These things will perish. They will not last. And therefore, Jesus is saying, these are not the things that you should be spending decades of your life towards because they won't last. And instead, Jesus says, store up the things that won't fade away. And you know, maybe you're wondering at this point, but like, why? Because if it gives me enjoyment, even temporarily, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. Why can't I lay, lay up for myself temporary things? And I, I just want to be real clear here. Of course, you can enjoy good things, good temporary things that God has put around us, right? Like ice cream, that's temporary. That's got an expiry date. We're not talking about treats. We're talking about treasures. Right, the things that will not last or can be taken away, yet you will go through pain and disease and decades of your life to try and attain. And how do you know if you're doing that? It's a very simple diagnosis that Jesus gives to us. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Not where your treasure is, there your time, uh, you know, your blood, sweat, and tears will be also your heart, okay? So when you look at your treasure, actually, you might be looking at the very thing that pumps life into you, the very thing that gives you life. And whatever that treasure is, you need to ask yourself, will it last? Is it enough? The second uh, parable is a treasure that uh, darkens, right? Right? Verse 22 says, 
the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And he's, um, I think a good way to explain this is uh, if you've ever watched a famous movie series, Lord of the Rings, you don't even have to know the story. It's a character in there called Golem, right? Uh, the guy who says, you know, my precious, I'm not going to try to imitate him. He's funny to watch um, on screen. He's funny to imitate, but he's terrifying. If you really think about it to, to watch in reality, like to really think about what's happened to him and who he's become. It's terrifying to watch someone being so consumed by something that should not be in them. And see, if what you treasure, if what you give your heart to is your treasure, then it only makes sense that what you constantly go after, what you consume, what you take in, that does affect, that does impact who you're becoming. It makes a massive difference, your treasure about who you are. And this all comes to head in the final parable, a treasure uh, that enslaves. And often we think about treasure and we think about it as something that is serving us, right? What, like, what are we going to get out of it? How's it going to benefit us? But Jesus is saying that we give our hearts to what we treasure and therefore we're not being served by that, but we're serving it. I read verse 24 with me. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And he's speaking very specifically about a real situation in the time, which was slavery, because there were actual slaves back then. And you, if you're a slave, you, you just can't serve two masters. It's not possible. Either one of them owns you or the other one does. And slaves don't get to dance between the two masters, right? You can't support both the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA, in the NBA Finals. You can only you know, root for one team to win, and only one team will win. Your husband can't tell you that he loves you as his wife, while also saying, you know, I've also got this other lady that I want to love too, but I'm, I'm going to love you both equally. So if... The treasure that we seek is what we give our hearts to. And it makes sense that we serve that thing. And that's why you have to ask yourself an important question. What kind of treasure is it? Is it the kind that rots or remains? Is it the kind that is full of light or is full of darkness? Is it the kind that makes you feel like a slave or like a son? And depending on, depending on what it is, it will make all the difference. It's the first question that we have to answer. What is your treasure? Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Number two, but the second question is, who do we trust? As we consider what we treasure, Jesus asks us to consider who we trust. And we do that really by looking at what makes us feel anxious. Uh, so 
It's what Jesus says in verse 25. Uh, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. This is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. So Jesus is saying very simply here, if you know who to trust, if you trust the right person, you're not going to be anxious. And uh, as we've just read here, the kind of anxiety that Jesus is talking about, uh, I want to be very specific. He's not talking about the you know, psychological meaning that's you know, predominantly taken uh, the definition in our day and age. He's not talking about clinical anxiety. He's talking about an anxiety about life, just life anxiety, right? life worries, the material worries about provision uh, for food and drink and clothing. And, you know, at the time, the people who Jesus was speaking to, these were people who actually had you know, real everyday you know, potential situations where they could run out of food and clothes on a daily basis. I, and I don't think, honestly, we have as much of that same problem uh, to the same degree in Australia. I'm not saying that, you know, we, we don't struggle, but I don't think we have that same problem. But these are still things that can weigh heavily on us. Right? We have anxieties about being in lack, about not having, not having enough to get by. But Jesus is saying, when it comes to the worries of life, if we know who to trust, we won't be anxious about these things. And he gives us two examples. First, he says, look at the birds in verse 26. And he's saying, but they don't have complex lives. They're not managing their resources. They don't have mortgages to pay off. They don't go through economic upheavals. They have pretty straightforward, simple lives. They don't really do anything. And yet God still cares for them and feeds them. So why would he not care for you? Number two, look at the flowers. Yeah, flowers are non-sentient organisms. All right? And he compares them to one of the greatest and most glorious kings of Israel, Solomon. And he says not even Solomon compares to the design and the, the dress on the flowers that fades within a day. Right? The way that God has clothed the flowers. And what about you? You're more than an animal. You're more than just an organism. You're fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. Do you know that? So do you have faith that you matter to God and that he will care for you? That's what Jesus is saying. Because, you know, I think a lot of the time we, we don't actually trust God to care for us. We don't trust that he'll actually come through. We don't trust that when times get pretty tough, that he'll give us the strength to endure the hardest of those times. So who do we trust? I think it's the next best person after God, ourselves. And when we have a hard time trusting God, we'll trust ourselves. And especially in this part of the world, you know, part of the world where we can provide all of these things that Jesus is talking about for ourselves, we'll look to ourselves. And yet, we still continue to wrestle with the anxiety of life and life worries. Again, you know, not clinical anxiety, but uh, the things of life. Uh, we, 
we feel anxious about our reputations. We feel anxious about the way that work is going, just our daily to-do list, our finances. And that's really because if the ability to care for ourselves and to provide for ourselves is so often the way that we make it out to be, just in ourselves, in our own strength, it's going to let you down. See, what we treasure uh, impacts us, that shapes us, but so does who we trust. And depending on who we trust, we will either become a more anxious or a more faithful people. Because according to Jesus, uh, the, the opposite, uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, the opposite, the opposite of anxiety, it's actually not, it's not being carefree, right? And if you really break this down, that makes perfect sense because life isn't carefree. We all know that. We get shaken up. We get blown around sometimes by unexpected things all the time. Debt, death. And relational fallouts, betrayal, pandemics. The opposite of being anxious is it's not being carefree because that's not an accurate picture of reality. That's not life. The opposite of being anxious is being faithful. The opposite of being anxious is being faithful. It's truly having faith that God will care for us. That someone beyond us, that someone outside of us will care for us. And if we do not look to God, our only answer is ourselves. It's not in other things. It's not in other abstract objects. It's ourselves. Yeah, the question is, who do you trust? Not, not just what do you trust? And if you trust yourself, of course, of course, anxiety is the right response. So who do you trust? That's a really important question that I would challenge you, that I would pose to you today to actually answer. And when you bring these two things together, uh, you really get one question. Who do you treasure? Sorry, what do you treasure and who do you trust? Jesus doesn't just point out our tendency to go after a treasure that fades away or our tendency to fall into anxiety because uh, we look to ourselves. That was just like callously say, this is what you're like. This is what you do. This is who Jesus is. Isn't he wonderful in gentleness and in power? He's asking you and me today, what do you treasure? And who do you trust? And the answer to both of these questions, it, it must be God. It must be God. So how do we treasure God? And how do we trust God? Because that is the key to the kingdom life. That is the key to the abundant life of supernatural and otherworldly peace of not being shaken up and constantly buffeted a faithfulness that Jesus is promising. How do we get it? Well, Jesus says in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness 
And all these things will be added to you. How do we get it? Number one, by seeking first the kingdom. And Jesus isn't saying here, hey, just ignore everything else. He's not saying seek only the kingdom. He's saying seek first the kingdom of God. All right, priorities. And that means you don't settle for things. You don't go after things as a matter of first importance, you know, in the hope that it will make your nightmares go away for a season. You don't seek uh, the quick fixes that will never actually take away the sting of whatever it is that you're dealing with right now. But you seek first as a matter of first importance. You, you treasure what God has established in his kingdom. And two things that God has established in his kingdom. Number one, the relationship he's established with his people. So that means you, first and foremost. It means be with him. Spend time with him. Treasure him. It also means be with his people. Spend time with them. Treasure the fellowship of the church. Treasure the relationship God has established with his people. That's a core part of his kingdom. But also carry out God's purposes. Carry out the purposes of the king. That means you do what God cares about. Do the things that God is concerned for. And, you know, when it comes to doing stuff, when it comes to acting, I feel like many of us have this knee-jerk reaction of, you know, a bit like, that's not grace. You know, doing stuff is not grace. But I want to tell you, we must act. We must do the purpose of God because grace is actually not opposed to effort. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. I want to say that again. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is, is opposed to earning. Our attitude, our motivation matters more than what we do. And when we do things, when we do the purposes of God, we do the will of God in a well-directed decisive, sustained effort, right? Through sharing the gospel, through intentionally pointing other people to the gospel, through making disciples, through serving one another, through giving to the poor. That's still growing in the grace of God. And that is key to a life of restful power, right? In seeking first God's kingdom. Number two, uh, we seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness, right? And his righteousness. And the key uh, kind of word here is his righteousness, not, not your righteousness, but his righteousness. And this is just the simple uh, gospel, right? It's just a reminder that he's given an unrighteous people his righteousness by dying 
uh, in their place, by dying in our place. And he's given us his righteousness, not based on anything that we've contributed to, but out of sheer grace. And, and what that ultimately means is that we belong to him. Right? His righteousness has been bestowed upon us. He saved us. And what that means is that we belong to him. Uh, I want to direct you to uh, a great resource called the New City Catechism. A catechism is a series of questions and answers about really the cause of the Christian faith. Um, it's often, it's been used for centuries for, for new converts, but it's still so useful for us today. Uh, there's a, an amazing free resource online called the New City Catechism. Uh, and I encourage you to memorize question one of this catechism. And question one is, what is our only hope in life and death? And the answer is that we are not our own, but belong both in body and soul, both in life and death to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, we belong to Jesus. And when you belong to him, don't you know that he loves you and that he cares for you? His righteousness is upon you, not your own. To seek first his kingdom, I treasure God's relationship with his people and do God's purposes. His grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to learning. Actually do the things that God cares about, that God, his heart breaks for as we sang, for, uh, as we sang today in uh, one of our songs. And break my heart for what grace is. And also seek his righteousness every day, right? The righteousness that can only be found in Jesus. Jesus doesn't promise to eradicate or get rid of life's pressures. And tomorrow will still have its problems. He says that very clearly. When we come to him, he cleanses us from the penalty of sin the weight of it and he makes us righteous and we belong to him and when you belong to him don't you know that he loves you he cares for you that's the shift that will take us away from worldly anxiety to otherworldly peace that's the shift that will take us from a stagnant christian life to the abundant life what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of god Right? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let's pray. Good Father, as we look at uh, the words of Jesus today, uh, we're just so amazed and, and moved even just by the way that he speaks to us in the way that he instructs his disciples. And there's a, there's a power, there's an authority behind the words that he uses as he just looks straight inside, as he points to our hearts, that he doesn't condemn us. He asks us these profound questions 
to really consider what it is that we treasure and who it is that we trust. And Lord, I pray that by your grace, you wouldn't allow us to move from this space. We're not answering those, those questions today. Convict us by the power of your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to actually answer these questions so that we would come before you in humility, in repentance and in faith, that we would actually seek first the kingdom, that we would seek you, the king of this kingdom, that we treasure the relationship that we have with you and that we would do the purposes of the king, that we would allow your rule and your reign to permeate in our hearts. And also that every day that we would seek your righteousness, not our own, and we come before you and be reminded that in you, all of our sins, past, present, and future are forgiven once and for all. That there is grace. And we can be cleansed. And that we can step into this abundant life of otherworldly peace and visible kingdom living that you've promised. So we thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.